I hope everybody had a good time studying Titus chapter 3. Um, hope your discussions were fruitful and during our final time in the book of Titus. Um, I know it's kind of sad bringing this to an end, um, but it really has been a fun series for us, and I hope it's been not only fun for you, but also encouraging. Um, our main goal with the whole series was that you would be encouraged and so that you'd also be better equipped to engage with the scriptures on your own, uh, but also with others. And so even with our time constraints as we've had it this summer, you know, I hope that it was indeed fruitful, that you've been encouraged to continue reading and studying the word well into the future. And hopefully this just becomes a normal part of your everyday life, of your daily routine, um, as it really should be part of our daily lives and we seek to live our lives in knowing and glorifying God. So you can do this. You can study the scripture on your own. Um, you can engage in a deeper way with the Lord every single day. And you can do it alone in the quiet hours of the morning and the quiet hours of the evening. Or you can do it with a friend in a coffee shop. And, and that's discipleship, one-on-one, life-on-life, studying the word together. So if you want to go deeper into engaging with the word and growing in your relationship with the Lord through study of this word and through prayer, um, I just make a quick plug for this book called Seven Arrows. So, you know, this is going to kind of give an overview of um, the observation, interpretation, application that we've been doing as well. But it, obviously it's a little thicker, so it's going to give you some more information about how to dive into the Word of God. Um, it's a good book. It's not the only book that's there, but it's good. And, and it's good in that it ties together how to study the Word, understanding the Word, living out the Word, but also praying through the Word, and trying to wrap all of that into a, a part of your everyday routine and engaging with the Word of God. So it's a good resource. I recommend it to all of you. Um, if you want to look at it, it'll be over here. But let's go ahead and pray as we look into the book of Titus. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your goodness and your kindness and that we've been able to engage in your word over the summer, studying the book of Titus, learning how to rightly divide your word, how to understand it. And Lord, how we've been able to sharpen one another as we engage with your word. Lord, what a privilege it has been. What a blessing it's been to all of us. And I pray, Lord, that you use the time that we spent together, that it would um, encourage us to really apply the things and the tools that we've learned to study your word better into the future. And that we can use it not only to grow closer to you, but also to bring and make disciples of Christ amongst all the nations. And Lord, please bless our time tonight in your word. And may your word be a blessing unto your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's go ahead and begin by reading our passage again for tonight. Again, uh, you have it there. We'll just look at it again. Um, Titus 3, verse 12. It says, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis. For I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they lack nothing. And let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith. And grace be with you all. Now, As we consider, or excuse me, conclude our inductive Bible study through Titus, we come to this passage that could easily be summarized as final instructions and greetings. 
Now, that's certainly an accurate and fitting, fitting description of the passage. There's nothing wrong with that. Your ESV Bible heading has those very words right above the passage. But there's certainly more that we could consider as we think about the passage. Now, since this is the end of our inductive Bible study, I think it's helpful to take note of the historical and the geographical components of this passage. The name Tychicus and Apollos bring to mind real people that ministered the gospel with Paul. The place called Nicopolis was a real city off the coast of Greece, and Crete is an island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. These are real people, real places, and real history. Even though the title of this message is The Fellowship of the Ministry, We're not talking about halflings and elves leaving the Shire and making their way over to Mordor, or Mordor, to be more authentic. Again, these are real people, real places, real history. And so with that in mind, there's these three reminders about ministry in the church that we can glean from Paul's final instructions and his greeting to Titus. Those three reminders about ministry in the church that we can glean from Paul's final instructions and greetings to Titus. Now, the first reminder is that ministry is done in fellowship with faithful leaders. Ministry is done in fellowship with faithful leaders. So look again at verses 12 and 13. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. And do your best to speed Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way and see that they lack nothing. First, we see that Paul is planning to send either Artemis or Tychicus to Crete. And when that happens, Paul wants Titus to meet him back in the capitalist. There's nothing really known about Artemis, but we do have information about Tychicus. Tychicus was an associate of Paul, and he'd even joined him during Paul's missionary journey from Corinth to Asia Minor. It's likely that Tychicus also delivered the letters that Paul sent to the cities of Colossae and the church in Ephesus. In both of these letters, Tychicus is described in a very positive light. In Colossians 4.7, Tychicus is described as a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. In Ephesians 6.21, he's called the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Paul had even sent him to Ephesus to serve and to minister there at some point. Now, Tychicus was a faithful brother, a faithful leader whom Paul trusted, and they had served alongside each other in taking the gospel to various places. So Paul knew that he could send him to minister in difficult places like Ephesus and Crete. He was trusted, a faithful leader in the early church. Now, we notice that Paul wanted Titus to come to Nicopolis as he was going to stay there during the winter. Nicopolis was a city on the east coast of Greece with a mild climate, and thus a great place to spend the winter. But Paul wasn't inviting Titus to come join him for a party on the beach. I guess I can't say that for sure since the text doesn't say that, but um, in all likelihood, Paul wanted Titus to come to him so that they could discuss what was going on in Crete and discuss the future ministry plans that they had. Again, we don't know that for sure because the text doesn't say, but we know that Paul, we know Paul, and we know how serious he was about the gospel, about making disciples 
as we see in his, all of his letters, and how we see even in this letter to Titus. So it's very likely that Paul wanted to spend more time with Titus to discuss the future ministry, to refresh Titus from his difficult ministry there in Crete, and perhaps even to continue to mentor him as he prepared for further ministry. It says in 2 Timothy 4.12 that Titus was sent to Dalmatia, which would have been north of Nicopolis. So perhaps Paul was wanting to prepare Titus for that ministry. But once again, we see Paul carrying out his ministry, mentoring and preparing other faithful leaders, entrusting various ministries to other faithful leaders. Now, all of this ministry is taking place amongst this fellowship of faithful leaders in the early church. And in verse 13, we see that Paul tells Titus to send Zenos and Apollos on their way to make sure that they lack nothing. And once again, we don't know anything about this person, Zenos, but we do know something about this man named Apollos. In Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 25, it says that Apollos was a Jew, a native of Alexandria, and that he came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Well, that's a pretty awesome description of a person. Well, some of you know that my family and I were, were expecting our third baby to come in January, Lord willing. And honestly, Apollos is one of the names that I'm considering for our future child. Apollos Tyndale Gonzalez. I'm kidding. <laughs> so, so. But he, he would hopefully be mighty in the scriptures, fervent in spirit, speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus Christ. It's a great name. Unfortunately, it's also the name of a Greek god. But Apollos, this man, Apollos, is another trusted and faithful leader in the early church. Paul knows him. Paul trusts him. And Paul is requesting that Titus, another faithful leader, that he would help Zenos and Apollos be on their way with their needs taken care of and presumably sent on so that they can do the ministry that's at hand for them. The ministry is done in fellowship with faithful leaders. But notice how he wants their needs to be taken care of. Titus already has a lot on his plate. And he's obviously not able to do everything required of him in ministry, no matter how faithful or how productive he is. He needs the help of others. He needs the help of the church. And that leads us to our second point, that ministry is done in fellowship with the whole church. Ministry is done in fellowship with the whole church. Look again at verse 13. He tells them that to see that they would lack nothing and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. So Paul gives another reminder and an exhortation on a key theme from this letter to Titus. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Now, good works, this phrase has been mentioned numerous times in this letter. Early in the chapter Sorry, early in the letter in chapter 1, verse 16, the discussion of sound teaching and false teachers. Paul said that the false teachers had rendered themselves incapable of doing any good work. 
But in contrast, in chapter 2, verse 7, Titus is supposed to show himself as a model of good works for the church. He's supposed to be a living example for the church in Crete. Later in in verse 14, Paul makes it clear that one of the purposes in redemption of every believer is that they would be a people for God's own possession and that they would be zealous for good works. That's part of the life. That's part of our calling as a believer. God has saved us that we would be zealous for these good works and that we would actually do them. Everyone in the church is called to do these good works. Later in chapter 3, Paul says that believers are to be ready for every good work and that we're to be devoted to these good works because they're profitable to everyone. Yes, profitable to the people in the church, but also profitable to unbelievers outside of the church. As a believer, good works are critical for us. Not because good works lead to salvation, but because they're a necessary consequence of our salvation. And Titus, or Paul makes that clear in Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. I want to read this again for us because this is so important. He says in verse 4 of chapter 3, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So we are not saved by our own good works. We're saved by the mercy and grace of God in Jesus Christ. But good works, again, is a necessary manifestation of that salvation that's freely given to us in Christ. And so Paul reminds all of us of this important truth and the theme as he closes his letter to Titus. He's calling on Titus to see that Zenos and Apollos lack nothing for their next journey. He essentially calls on the church to be part of that, to learn to be devoted to good works, to care for those in urgent needs, and not to be unfruitful. Now this serves as us as a reminder that ministry is done in fellowship with the whole church. Paul can't do everything. Titus can't do everything. And even with the ministries that have been entrusted to them, they need the help and support of the entire church. And so similarly, here at Lighthouse or at any church, the whole church is necessary to, call, to, to carry out the ministry. Now, whether it be physical needs or whether it be guidance and living wisely and faithfully as we carry out all of our daily responsibilities in our work, in our family, with our friends, the whole church is needed and the whole church is to be engaged in doing these good works. The whole church is to be devoted to doing good works, doing ministry, loving and serving one another, pointing each other to Christ. That is, we need Christ as we go through all of our daily struggles and face all of our sins and our temptations and our suffering. We need the entire church engaged in these good works and loving and serving one another. So the mission of the church, as we know, is to make disciples of all nations of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this cannot be done alone, but it must be done through the whole church. Ministry is done in the fellowship with the whole church. Now this brings us to our last point, that ministry is done in the context of love and grace. Ministry is done in the context of love and grace. 
how Paul gives his final greetings as he, as he closes his letter in verse 15. All who are with me send greetings to you. Greet those who love us in the faith, and grace be with you all. Now, since time eludes us, all I'm going to point out is the genuine love and the care for each other in these greetings. Now, all the people with Paul send their greetings to Titus, whom presumably most of them knew Titus, but perhaps not everyone knew Titus. Now, Paul sends his greetings to those who love Paul and Titus and those who are with him. And Paul blesses the church in Crete, which he presumably does not know everyone. So even though not everyone knows everyone in these churches, there is love and grace between them. There is a true fellowship with one another as we are all in Christ. And that's one of the beauties of being in the body of Christ, in being part of a local church, but also in being part of the universal church. No matter if you're new here to Lighthouse or in the future that you move to another church, you are in fellowship with all the believers in Christ. Even if you've never met them before, there is a genuine love and a genuine grace in and towards those who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. So all of us should be encouraged by that. Again, if you're new here at Lighthouse, In the future, if the Lord takes you to another job, another place, and you go to a new church, you have more in common with every single believer in Christ who is there than every unbeliever that may be part of your life today. There is genuine love, genuine grace with every believer in Jesus Christ, even if you haven't met them yet. I hope this has been encouraging. Let us pray as we close our study of Titus. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for showing us in these few verses the truth about the gospel, the reminder that we need to do good works, not as part of earning our salvation, for salvation is a free gift, won by Christ and freely given to us. But we're to do good works as a result of salvation that you've given to us. Lord, we see how these faithful brothers loved each other, they trusted one another, They work together, arm in arm, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. How they were faithful to you and faithful to one another. And we see even how everyone in the church loved and greeted one another, even to churches and other places whom they'd never seen or never met and probably never did see or meet. Lord, help us to have this big picture in mind of your church, the love and the grace that is in us and needs to be extended to all of those around us in your church. May you be glorified. May you be magnified. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things humbly in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.